Great news. Side Retired is now partnered with SeatGeek. For all ticketing needs, go to SeatGeek.com and use promo code SideRetiredPod for $20 off your first order. We've got you covered from all things ranging from sporting events to concerts, including postseason baseball, the NFL, and NHL. Yes, this means we're officially taking you out to the ballgame. And now for today's edition of Side Retired Podcast. Well, it appears we are going to be continuing our theme of disappointed co-hosts of the month of October, except today it's not going to be me, as the New York Mets were eliminated weeks ago, it feels like. However, today we're talking about what might be the penultimate Yankee game of the season. We're going to be talking about the games that occurred on Saturday, October 15th, which includes the Cleveland Guardians walking off the New York Yankees, which includes the Philadelphia Phillies and Houston Astros both advancing to the NLCS and ALCS, respectively. We're going to talk about those two series first, since those probably have the least emotions from our two co-hosts. But before I go to those, Jack, how are you feeling right now? You know how I'm feeling. <laughs> All right. Well, we're first going to talk about the Philadelphia Phillies, which James actually predicted they would pull off an upset and defeat the Atlanta Braves in the NLDS. James, how are you feeling based on that prediction that the Phillies, the fighting Phils are rolling and the ball does indeed go boom with this lineup? Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like the reasons I described beforehand, um, you know, kind of went through. I mean, the Phillies played absolutely atrocious defense this entire series. Um, Reese Hoskins was a liability. Um, I mean, they didn't really make any outstanding plays. You know, they they make plays that should be made, but really nothing else, nothing on top of that. Uh, the pitching was great, you know, from Nola and from Wheeler. Uh, and then, I mean, the bats just were the bats. I mean, you, we saw this every game. Uh, guys like Harper, guys like Castellanos, guys like Rio Muto, just absolutely crushing the ball. Brandon Marsh had an absolutely monster series. So did Gene Segura. So uh, for me, no surprise the Phillies were able to handily take the Braves down in four. Um, Philadelphia was rocking. Uh, I loved Ken Rosenthal, you know, his little talking about the decibels and everything. I mean, just an absolutely electric playoff environment over there in Philly. Excited to see them play. Uh at least two more games there uh, in the NLCS. And the Bra- or the Phillies will now be taking on the winner of the Dodgers and Padres series. The Padres are currently up two games to one, but the Dodgers have a lead in game four at the time we're recording this. So it seems like there will be a game five in that series, at least Sunday. I believe that'll be Sunday night, that game. But kudos to the Philadelphia Phillies. We have a Phillies reporter coming on in the upcoming days to talk about what just happened and an NLCS preview once they know their rival So that'll sure to be an episode where we'll be talking more in depth about this series. Jack, now we've seen two postseason games that extended past the 16th inning. Today's Houston Astros versus Seattle Mariners marathon went 18 innings. This might be because we do not have the extra inning rule slash ghost runner rule in extra innings. What are your thoughts on that now that we've had a monstrous game that I believe between the Astros and the Mariners took roughly six hours to complete? and ended with the Mariners' playoff dreams and hopes coming to an end and the Astros' dynasty continuing to roll on. Uh, I've been in adamant, um, you know, in disapproval of the Ghost Runner, but I do agree with the logic that maybe after, I don't know, whatever inning you want to set, the 12th, maybe 11th, you do have some kind of thing, whether it is the Ghost Runner or some other competition or some other adjustment to to traditional baseball to make it so we don't have these um, games during the regular season. But with that being said, I think an 18-inning game 
is extremely exciting during the playoffs, especially when you know that moment that Jeremy Pena home run could happen at any time for either side and be a pivotal and uh, a monumentous event in the series. And that ended up being the game-winning RBI that sadly ended a very impressive season by the Mariners. Um, they, they should really have their heads up high. You know, this is going to go in the books as a sweep. But reality, they hung true with the, they hung very close with the Astros in all three games. The first two, they went on the back of Jordan Alvarez, and this one, their pitching goes toe to toe with them through 17 innings. The Astros could very well go on to win the World Series. That you can make a very strong argument that they are the best team remaining. And so for the Mariners to hold tight with them when they were only weren't expected to be that good, you know, they're expected to be good, but not on the I'd say the level that they eventually reached. So certainly props to them, and they're going to be back here next year. Um, with that being said, though, for extra innings in the playoffs, I think you got to leave it as is. You know, it's one thing, thing for regular season, but this is postseason baseball. You can't be using ghost runners. You know, that's it's kind of the beauty of the game to have something like that. I think, you know, it's not for everyone, especially, you know, hopefully next year with the pitch clock, we'll see how that uh, affects the length of the game. Maybe we will be more welcoming of, uh, you know, a, I think 18 inning game is hard for anyone, but maybe, a, you know, 14, 13 innings. So hopefully it doesn't, you know, get too excruciating in terms of length. But, you know, uh, long, extremely long games with uh, ending in backbreaking home runs is just a strong and goes co co hand in hand with postseason baseball. So that's certainly something I don't want to lose. Yeah, I, I don't think the, the ghost runner has any any being in the playoffs. I don't care if this game went 30 innings. I don't care if this game went 50 innings. I don't want to see a baseball game decided by a stupid imaginary guy that never got to second base. Uh besides for the reason that they just want to speed the game up. So, yeah, um, I think it was a fantastic game. I actually happened to watch all 18 innings today, and I thoroughly <laughs> enjoyed all six hours on my couch. So, Let's go. Um, so yeah, I was I was really happy by that game and uh, a little upset the Astros won, but um, still smiled because, I mean, shoot, I got to watch two baseball games for the price of one. And then, obviously, since we've been continuing this theme in the month of October – with the quote-unquote funeral episodes. So how would you describe the Atlanta Braves and the Seattle Mariners seasons? I assume these are both teams we expect to be back in the playoffs again next year. For your thoughts, and either one of you can take this, James or Jack, on the Braves season in general. Saw them win the NL East, defeat the New York Mets, but end up coming short to another one of the NL East teams. James, if you want to go first about the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, I thought this Braves team, um, you know, they really trotted out a very similar team to last year. Unfortunately, Ozzy Albies went down. Um, I mean, you can't blame it all on that. I think he was definitely a bigger piece than people are willing to give credit for uh, to this lineup and this team overall. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they just kind of – I just it never really seemed to be there for the Braves. The energy wasn't really there. Um, I hate to say it in this way, but it, it, there really seemed to be kind of a vibe of complacency from them. Like, you know, we won it all last year, you know, it's just kind of, kind of going to happen. We didn't see that same fire, that same energy, uh, even to when they played the Mets just two weeks ago uh, in that final series, to be honest, um, I was never impressed by the energy in the ballpark, by the fans. I was never impressed by the energy, by the players. Um, and I think the most defining moment for me today uh, to show that this Braves team really was complacent and was not the same team from last year, that gritty team that was really fighting to win that World Series. Um, that JT Realmuto inside the park home run, I saw a picture. Um, I can't remember what the account was on Twitter, but it shows where players are on the field mm -hmm. relative to you know live action of the ball. 
And when that ball hit the wall for JT Rumito, Ronald Acuna was standing in the exact same spot he was when the ball was thrown. And guess what? Inside the park home run ignites a huge Phillies inning. Six runs, or I think it was three runs. No, no, it was six off Strider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, that just buried the dagger in this series. Acuna's got to come over, got to back that ball up. You know, any playoff team, any good playoff team uh, that's pushing to win that World Series does that. Acuna doesn't. This team was lazy. It was lackadaisical. Disgusting performances from all their starters. Um, I mean, yeah, Phillies just wanted it more. Hungry dogs run faster. And I believe it was a 16 ERA for the Phillies or for the Braves starters, excuse me, in this series so far, as well as part of the blame. And I know Acuna is a great player and he is coming off a serious injury in 2021. So it's going to be key to see what he did in 20 or what he does in 2023. But Acuna seemed to disappoint a little bit this season. His numbers weren't as outstanding as they have been in previous seasons. So look out for Ronald Acuna in 2023 in a make or break season to see if he continues to be on that same echelon as Juan Soto who again took a jump forward in 2022 despite his quote-unquote down season, but of course he is still playing in the playoffs. I would like to read off this quote before we get into our Yankees and Guardians segment. This comes from Game 3 starting pitcher Luis Severino talking about Clay Holmes and whether he was surprised to see that Clay Holmes was not used in the ninth inning. He said, quote, he's our closer. So of course I was surprised. I don't know if he was down. There shouldn't be any people down in the playoffs. That's something you guys need to ask Boone or the pitching coach, Matt Blake, to see what's going on there, as well as a bunch of other things from Clay Holmes saying that he was a, he thought he was pitching tonight. He was surprised he wasn't pitched. Boone said that Clay Holmes wasn't available tonight. Guys, it seems like the clubhouse is being lost and the Yankees are turning into chaos here as the season is concluding. Jack, what's going on in the Bronx? Sevy is 100% right. The Yankees' bullpen has been massacred by injuries. Some might say that is their fault. Some might say it's luck. I'll let you come to your own conclusion on that. But regardless, the fact remains that Chad Green, Luis Hill, Ron Marinaccio, Scott Evros, uh, Zach Britton, Araldis Chapman fell off at the face of the earth, have all been depleted for, for various reasons. Mike and the King. Yankees' pen is very shorthanded. Mike King, probably the best reliever on this team one of the best relievers in the American League this year. This team has been decimated by injuries. Your pen is very short-thinned. So that's not an excuse. That states the matter of the fact that it has to be something that's being considered when managing this pen. Clay Holmes being sore, especially when he says he is not sore, is no excuse to not throw him in a game. Especially, I don't know what Aaron Boone constitutes to be an emergency. I get very frustrated. And honestly, I was frustrated at first people tonight blaming Boone. That's always the first thing everyone goes to. Happened in 2021, 2020, and every year since 2018. That's the first thing people go to. It's Boone, and then they usually blame Chapman. So this year without Chapman, probably going to get an extra percentage of blame going to Boone. Probably deservingly so, which I, I cannot believe I'm saying. But I, I or also, I mean, I get you should not be looking to squeeze outs, even the regular season, let alone the postseason. But this year you're cut, you're pulling Luis Severino at five and five and two thirds of an inning. When you know your pen is shorthanded and you know you're bringing the Wiseguy in the seventh to face the top of the order, very smart move. But to have a Lou Trevino, one of the best relievers in this pen, a very good reliever, someone I have a lot of confidence in and has been very good since coming over from Oakland. From Oakland, you cannot be wasting it burning a guy for one out when your pen is shorthanded. And if it's true that you said that you're going in with the mindset of you're not pitching Clay Holmes, 
You can't go into this, you know, going into the seventh, eighth, ninth with just Wandy and Loisega. There has to, Clark Schmidt is not like I love Clark Schmidt, and I I don't think he, I'm not really going to blame him and him Wandy because they got they consistently got soft contact. It's kind of there's not really much more they can do with that. But how like how do you go in there thinking all right yeah he's my he's my uh, emergency situation if it all goes wrong and Wandy can't get six outs we're going to we're going to Clark Schmidt. That was my you know initial reaction to the bullpen. Also, the fact that if you're going to be shorthanded in the pen, you can't be giving them extra outs by having an incompetent defensive shortstop, your stopgap shortstop, when you have the prospect who was called up to the major leagues this year, and you decided to not include him on the roster because one, you wanted probably wanted to manipulate service time and decided it wasn't you know ready to call him up when he was you know Barry Bonds in AAA from June to August. But you decided that and his immediate and upgrade defensive skills. Bare minimum, he's an offensive wash and upgraded defense. But yeah, let's not have that. Let's have the brick wall at shortstop who's booted three balls in every single postseason game. Let's continue to give this team outs. That's barely, barely competent offensively. But yet they've managed to continue to put runs up on the board because we're giving them over 30 outs a game. Thank you, IKF. Thank you, front office, who seemingly love him and have no consequences for his continuous uh, perpetrations in at the six in the infield. The guy is supposed to be the most best athlete on the team. One of the best defenders can't feel on ball. Wow, that was interesting. <laughs> that was a lot of frustration vented out by Jack from IKF to the bullpen to Boone to Cashman to everything in between, and it's all starting to come out. James, your thoughts on tonight's game? Yeah, I mean, I, I have to agree with everything Jack said. Um, I mean, there's just a loss of words. There's just really complete incompetence uh, from the managing side. Uh, um, you know, his excuse is Holmes wasn't available for the end. Well, you don't manage the game the way you managed it. Um, you don't throw guys for thirds and two thirds of an inning just because they gave up a hit. You don't pull them like I. It, it's it's just ridiculous. It makes no sense. Um, why are you trying to stretch guys? You know, two two and two thirds innings when they pitched the night before. Uh, why are we pulling guys for for matchups? Um, when when we don't even have enough arms in the bullpen to to do that like it, it just it all doesn't really make sense um you know people are kind of kind of shy, shy away from blaming the offense um i mean once again this team we get to october uh the team still can't hit with runners in scoring position the team still can't get it to clutch two out hit uh we rely on the home run to score literally all of our runs it seems like every game um, and you could say oh well that's how you score in the playoffs yeah but that that's not how how teams win the World Series. Uh, let's just be honest. Uh, the Guardians had 15 hits tonight. It was it was it had to happen eventually. I mean, it, eventually they were going to break through and score, score, put a crooked number up. So I don't know. I'm tired of watching three home runs be the offensive output. I'm tired of watching guys that you know we continue to just give free passes on and say oh. I mean, Glaber Torres hit 167. Aaron Judge is hitting 083. Rizzo's hitting 200. Stanton's hitting 111. Like, it's it out. Higashioka 0 for 2 tonight. Like, 
the offensive output's been atrocious. This team's hitting like under two hundred in the playoffs as a team. I mean, like, batting average by like home runs win games in the playoffs. The record of teams who you know hit out homer their opponent is astronomically higher than teams that simply out hit their opponent because it, the long ball wins playoff games. You can't blame the offense for tonight. Judge hit the monster home run. He finally contributed. As Waldo hits the long ball. Bader, two home runs in his last three games. Like, you put up a five spot and give your team a three-run lead late inning, two runs going into the ninth. That's a game you win. You cannot blame the offense for that. And the home run ball, people have their critiques of it. It works. I know A-Rod, a guy with 696 home runs, seemingly hates home runs and loves sack bunts. With a passion, loves sack bunts. But it's not how you win games in the playoffs. Look at the record from the past five years. And if you want to go with the entire stack cast there, look at the record of teams who are at home or the other. It's like probably in total, I, I'm just ballparking it. It might be like 100. The record is like 110 of teams who out home or their opponent. No, I, I Jack, I, I completely understand that the home runs matter. But, I mean, I think this has been, Dylan, wouldn't you say, probably the fifth or sixth postseason in a row where it seems like the only way, and I mean literally the only way the Yankees score is by hitting the home run. We're the only team that's still in the playoffs that only scores by hitting the home run. Every other team's getting two out hits, stringing together mm-hmm. rallies. The Astros together. only scored via the home run. They scored, like Teams score the majority of their runs via the home run, especially the teams that win. The we majority don't hit enough home runs to win, though. That's been the one, problem. You don't hit enough home runs. Not that they have well, they, what, You think every team isn't trying to hit home runs? Like you think well, the Guardians team... aren't. Okay, whatever. No, but Dylan, like, I'm just saying, like, like Jack's like, oh, well, whatever team out homers the other. I mean, like, obviously, like, obviously the team that hits more home runs in the game is going to win, but, like, we don't hit more home runs than the other team besides besides this one series over the course of however many other postseasons you want to go to. The Yankees haven't been to the World Series since 2009, and you want to keep saying, oh, keep hitting home runs. We're eventually going to out home room. We have the most. We have the most home runs in all of baseball in the regular season, and we still can't win playoff games because they don't hit enough home. Right? Your point is that they're not like what like they're not hitting enough home runs. Yeah, that's like the problem isn't that they're too home run reliant; that they're not hitting enough of them. Except I, the only counter to that, and I tend to agree at this point that you need to hit the long ball, but that the Guardians don't hit home runs, and they're still putting runs across against you guys. And yes, the Yankees got a homer from Judge and a homer from Oswaldo today. I'm just Guardians saying didn't hit any home runs, and they're still getting runs, and they single you to death, and they've proven. But I'm not even saying single you to death. I'm just saying we get guys on second, or we get guys on third base with two outs or with one out, and they don't score. They never score. Like we, we that's not homer. That's just hitting with runners. That's what I'm saying. Position. We just don't hit with guys in scoring position. Maybe if we had some guys that knew how to freaking backside hit, like Stephen Kwan or Ahmed Rosario, and poke one through the side where the shift isn't, that maybe we would win more playoff games. Like, I, I, I don't see it. I understand, Jack. You hit more home runs. You win more baseball games. But clearly, we can't do that. We've been incapable of doing it since 2009. Like, I, it's just ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous how you continue to say, oh, it's not the offensive fault. We can't score. I mean, yeah, for the majority. I'm not saying for the entire. Like I've been on the record several times throughout the entirety of 2019, 2020, 2021. The Yankees' blame was the offense, and the Yankees' blame two days ago was the offense. I said the Yankees' blame was not the offense tonight 
when they put up five runs and scored three and hit three home runs. And Cleveland, you know, they were kept off the board for the majority of the game. Cleveland needed look how many hits they needed to put up two runs, and the Yankees with one swing immediately came back and tied the game. That's what the hitting the long ball gives you. It lets you come back easier into games, and it gives you but you can be more efficiently score runs and give yourself leads faster. That's why the Yankees immediately and swiftly looked like in one minute they were down 2-0. Next, they were up 5-2. And then, the, you know, all, you know, the sky falls down in the ninth inning and then, you know, a catastrophic ending. But that's not because they didn't hit enough home runs. And, you know, if, yeah, the, you're correct in your statement about hitting and scoring position. Look at 2019. The Yankees hit a barrage of home runs against the Twins, and that's how they dominated them. And then the long ball vanished against the Astros. It's more so incompetence from the offensive lineup to not hit the home run. And even regardless, you know, Cleveland went, uh, they went nine for 17 today with runners in scoring position. The Yankees, it's not like so much they didn't have run that they went bad with scoring position. They went one for two, hitting 500. It's more so the long ball. And, you know, because runners in scoring position, when you're facing a guy like Shane Bieber or Tristan McKenzie, like they did tonight, you know, it's very hard to string three, four hits together to get the to drive the guys in from running score position, put a guy on, move him over, then drive him home. Like you just don't see that happen anymore. It's more so you guys sell out for bail barrels. You look at guys like that's how that's how teams have gotten to Garrett Cole for successfully. They've they've said, all right, we know we're gonna strike out 13 times versus this guy. Let's just sell out and we know how good his fastball is. We'll try to barrel it up and put it in the air. That's why he's allowed so many home run, runs this year. That's been the game plan to attack these high profile starting pitchers by getting and saying, all right, we'll we'll abandon the 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 uh the consistency and the overall like um, quantity of our offense and rather go for quality. All right. So using that as our transition, since we are going towards over 20 minutes now, so we're going to start to wrap this up. I'm going to ask a couple very quick questions, one to five word answers, depending on the question I'll be going at each of you, James and Jack, is this Garrett Cole's legacy game today? When you're listening to this Sunday, October 16th, James. Yes. I don't see how it couldn't be Jack. Yes. Who is the LVP of Game 3? Aaron Boone. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. Predict Garrett Cole's stat line for Game 4. Seven innings, one run, six strikeouts. I think he goes eight innings, allows two runs on 120 pitches. I will go for those questions. The LVP... It's Boone. I'll agree with James on that one. I will say that Garrett Cole goes four innings, allows four runs, but he also strikes out nine. Um, what was the third question I just asked you guys? You said it's his legacy game. Yes, obviously this is his legacy game because I don't think if Garrett Cole blows up in this game, I don't think there is a next series to be talking about. So the last question I'll ask you guys, are we coming back to the Bronx on Monday or is this thing ending in Cleveland tonight? Uh, I think we'll I think we'll get a game five in New York. So yeah. you know, either <laughs> I really, really want to say no. I really want to, but I gotta go with the, the my team and say yes. I think Jack's right. I think this ends in Cleveland tomorrow night. And I think it's going to be Shane Bieber. Might surprise you with an appearance in the seventh inning as a bridge to Emmanuel Classe. I think the Guardians see blood. I think they realize with the quotes coming out of the Yankee locker room that this is a very defeating loss for the Yankees players, fan base, and everything. And it could mean 
not talking about Aaron Judge, but it could mean if an exit for the Yankees here that they have to reconsider sort of the structure of this team going forward, the management style, whether that's Boone, whether that's Cashman, whether that's the makeup of the team, and that you can't build this team around the long ball 24-7. Not saying Aaron Judge is going to leave because that's the part of this identity that you don't want to lose. But if the Yankees, if we're talking tomorrow, and the Yankees baseball season is over, and Cleveland is on their way to Houston, where they're going to beat Houston, and as I previously mentioned, the Guardians are winning the World Series this year. Again, just reinforcing that to double down on that prediction. We're going to have a lot to talk about and an interesting offseason ahead with the New York Yankees if if that indeed happens. Yeah, if if the Yankees lose tomorrow night and Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman aren't fired by the end of the week, then it's just I don't think you blame game. Cashman. I think Cashman assembled a very good roster. I think he picked up you know the guys he went out and got. I was very pleased with several of the moves. The one, you know, people people are going to point to Montas, which I think is the one justified criticism. Um, I hope next year, you know, he could, should come back be fully healthy. Hopefully that's a turning point for him. But look at how many guys they had who came out of nowhere, performed well. Mike King, you know, Matt Carpenter, these several moves from guys. I don't really blame Brian Cashman. Wait. I've been an adamant Boone supporter, but I'd want him to stay. But if the, you know, but we don't know what the state of the Yankee clubhouse oh. is. It seems oh, like bro. more Judge and Stanton really had his back. But with the Severino quote, it's really damning. Um, but yeah, I think that. Well, we... Time out, Jack. How, how many how many years does Brian Cashman get? I mean, we haven't won anything since two thousand and nine. I mean, winning the World Series is real. It's just it's ridiculously hard for the no, past it is... 10, for the past ten years. The three best front offices in baseball have been the Tampa Bay Rays, the Houston Astros, and the Los Angeles Dodgers. And combined, those teams have two World Series. It's extremely hard because you build up and you use, you know, a full 162 sample size to gauge your team, gauge how well it is, and then you need to win 11 games to win the World Series. I understand that, but that's Jeff, more so. The Red Sox, the Red Sox go fire Dave Dombrowski. What two years after, three years after he wins a World Series? Okay, what have the Red Sox done since? I mean, they, I'm... they got rid of everybody. So, I mean, I I kind of hope that they. Haven't done anything since. I will say the only caveat, and we will wrap up here, and obviously there will be plenty to talk about in tomorrow's episode if this indeed ends the Yankee season. Boone recently got an extension. I believe he's got two more years after this one. Cashman's contract expires in literally 20 days. He has not been re-signed for the 2023 season. That's weird to think the next year's 2023. But for Dylan, James, and Jack, we will definitely have more tomorrow night, depending on if the Yankees win, and we're going to talk about a preview game five, as well as the end of the San Diego Padres versus LA Dodgers series, because that ends tomorrow, no matter what, if not tonight, if the Padres can come back and win Joe Musgrove seems to be touching his ear again, but that's a story for another day. Make sure to check out our interview with Padres expert Javier happened over this week. Scroll right below this one, where we talked a lot about the Padres and the Dodgers series over there. All right. As you heard, James, think we're playing game five. Jack's heart and his mind are sort of telling him different things, and I'm fully convinced that Cleveland will indeed rock and will end this thing tomorrow. So for Dylan, James, and Jack, until the next time, the side is retired.